Coming up on episode 230 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the 2022 Nissan Pathfinder, the Honda Civic Sport, and the new Civic Type R, the North American Car Truck and Utility Vehicle of the Year Awards for 2022, the past was garbage, Bollinger cancels the pickup and SUV, all that and more coming up next. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. This is episode 230 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam McBurl Sammet from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakeland from Autobitel. And I am Roberto Baldwin from Engadget. That's right. Um, well, since Robbie apparently didn't drive anything this week, and uh, Nicole was still scrambling to figure out how much her car cost. Uh, I will go first. <laughs> Wait, let's be clear. I'm scrambling to figure out because I pulled the Monroney out of the glove box, sat down, and I'm like, that's not the car this goes to. So they have the wrong information in the car. So I'm trying to build it to find out exactly okay. how much it costs. So. <laughs> I didn't say it was your fault why you were scrambling. I just clarified. Here's an 87 Chrysler LeBaron Monroney. You're like, what? I'm like, this is not a Chrysler LeBaron. I'm pretty what? sure this What's... is the wrong Monroney. What, what do we got sitting here? Oh, this will work. It's close. This will work. That in it's there. got four She'll wheels. Right. It's got She'll numbers. Be She'll be good. She'll wing it. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, I had the uh, 2022 Nissan Pathfinder Platinum four-wheel drive uh, in scarlet ember tint coat, which is a great color. Um, the, the the Pathfinder is uh, Nissan's uh, three-row crossover. Um, it got a complete redesign last year, and, and it uh, shares its platform with the Infiniti QX60, which we've talked about previously as well. Um, and the... The previous generation Pathfinder was, um, how should we put this? The Something. design was, was dull. <laughs> it was kind of, It was a car. Of, yeah. Of some sorts. It was, it, you know, it was inoffensive to the point of being almost invisible. Uh, but uh, uh, the, the new one uh, is, is much more interesting to look at. You know, I think it's, it's not, you know, it, it, it's adopted, you know, Nissan's latest design language, like what we see on the, uh, the Rogue, you know, it's got crisper lines. It's a little more squared off than before. Uh, you know, bolder grill is, as you would expect, since it is in fact 2022. Uh, so you got to have more grill, uh, but not, but not excessively uh, too much grill. Um, so <clears throat> this one, uh, you know, they went back. They, when the Pathfinder first launched back in the 80s, you know, it was a body-on-frame, you know, true SUV. Uh, you know, it was not uh, you know, a front-wheel drive, unibody, crossover type of vehicle like it is today. Uh, but, they, you know, there's still some love out there in the community for those original Pathfinders. And so they, they incorporated a few design de- cues from that one. Uh, you can see in the, in the C-pillars, you know, the, those original Pathfinders had the triangular window between the B and the C-pillar um, and, uh, you know, the forward-leaning C-pillar there. And uh, they had in the front of the hood, they had three slots, uh, which 
it was never quite clear what they were for. I, apparently, I guess it needed extra cooling that you couldn't get through the grill, which wasn't large enough then. Um, <laughs> but they've sort of incorporated that into the, the grill of the, the new one. Uh, so it looks a little more SUV-like than before. Um, you know, it's, it's a sharp-looking vehicle. It's, you know, it's fine. Um, the interior is way improved over the old one, as we've seen with other recent Nissans. Uh, you know, particularly in this platinum trim level, uh, it's got nice leather uh, seating surfaces. Uh, you know, soft touch materials. Um, one of one of my long running big complaints with Nissans over the last seven, eight, nine years was really terrible infotainment displays. Um, that you know they were dim. They had suffered from a lot of glare. Uh, now it's you know it's a much brighter, better, uh, easier to use display. It's more responsive. Uh, it's still got the same basic interface. Um, so if you if you've driven a Nissan in the last six or seven years, you'll be quite familiar with this one. Uh, it does have support for wireless CarPlay, um, Apple CarPlay, but not for wireless Android Auto. So if you're using an Android phone, you do have to plug it in. Uh, but it does come with both USB A, the, the the old rectangular, and the USB C ports both in the first and second rows um, and one of the the really nice features of both the the Pathfinder and the QX60 is the second row seats um, are designed to make it easier to get into the third row so they they, they flip forward uh, from the front edge of the seat uh, so it slides forward and, and hinges forward uh, and the, you don't have to fold the second row seat backs down to, to get that seat forward so you can get into the back. The whole thing just tilts forward. Uh, so if you are using uh, child seats or um, booster seats or anything like that, uh, infant seats, you can leave those in place and still tilt the seat forward, which I think is, you know, is, is a really handy feature um, if you're going to use that third row. Uh, and, and even if you're not, you know, it still makes it easier uh, to, to get into the third row. There's uh, the version that I have has the second row captain's chairs with a little console in between the second row seats, which is removable. Um, so you can also have, uh, if you don't want to use that console, you can have a pass through to get to the third row in between the seats. Uh, another handy feature. Um, as with many recent Nissans, you know, this is still powered by an updated version of the, uh, the classic VQ uh, V6, 3.5 liters. Um, 284 horsepower and uh, 259 pounds-feet of torque. You know, it's still, still a great engine. Um, but uh, for this one, they ditched the CVT and went to a nine-speed automatic transmission, which is also on the Infiniti. Um, so it's a great, um, uh, great transmission. Uh, very smooth shifting. Uh, you know, good, good response, responsiveness from the transmission. Um, and just general acceleration from the vehicle. It's got uh, Nissan's intelligent four-wheel drive. You know, it's basically, you know, it, it's a it's an all-wheel drive system that can uh, do some locking and torque vectoring front to rear. Um, what else? 20-inch uh, alloys on the platinum trim level. Uh, fuel economy is you know is okay. It's you know it's not great. The EPA. Uh, fuel economy rating is 20 city, 25 highway, 22 combined. I've been averaging about 19. Uh, it has been, <clears throat> excuse me, a particularly cold week here. 
Uh, so that does tend to bring fuel economy down. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the Q&A. There's a question that relates to that with EVs. But, um, the, you know, I, I did a fairly lengthy highway trip the other day uh, to go visit someone. And, uh, you know, it was still only getting about 19 miles per gallon, even on the highway. So not not that impressive on the fuel economy. But otherwise, um, you know, it's generally a, a really nice three-row crossover all in um, the the one I'm driving, fifty one thousand seven hundred and ninety dollars, including an eleven hundred and seventy five dollar destination charge. So uh, Nissan is at least keeping it uh, you know, not too insane with the the destination charges, not like some other automakers. They broken the thousand dollar barrier. Yeah, I was actually the destination charge is funny. I have to look that up for one site specifically and pull that out for every single story, right? And what's amazing is every single one is going up like 200, 300. I've had some go up as much as $400 for the same car last year over this year <sighs> with nothing just same car, same everything, $400. Going from again. the same factory to the same destination. Exactly. Nothing has changed. The model is still the same. The factory is still the same. The destination is still the same. $400 extra to get it. Yeah. Everything's the same, except for you now you're paying more money for. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. So um, that, have you, have you guys driven the uh, Pathfinder? I did. I drove it when they did the the launch a while back for the for this new one, and they even let us take a, it off road a little bit, which is kind of fun because it's not it's not really an off road vehicle. I mean, like you can, but you're not gonna you're not gonna wrangle a Rubicon to think like it's it's no. it's not that kind of off roader. But you know what? Still, like we it was it was perfectly capable of the average. You know, I'm driving on the dirt road to Yoli Cabin for a weekend, but they did have us going over a little bit of sketchy dirt you know it was a little bit loose you had a little tight turn you had some little you know uneven rocks that you had to pay attention to what you were doing and it came up a little thing sort of impressed i didn't think it would uh, they took us over terrain that was a little bit more aggressive than i probably would have ever taken the pathfinder over and it was totes fine like the whole crew all of us made it through with no problem so that was kind of cool i liked it i thought it was good i thought the improvements that they made they made little improvements everywhere I didn't feel like there was any giant leap forward, like, oh, my gosh, this is miles better than the old one. But it's like a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better, which is kind of what you want. Like, all all told, I thought it was a better vehicle than it was before. Yeah, yeah. I drove it a few weeks ago, months ago. I don't know. Time doesn't make any sense anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it's, 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 it feels much better. Well, much, it feels better than the previous version. And, yeah, it's not really an off-road. Like you said, you go up to the cabin. You know, it snows. You're fine. You're fine. You, you want to go up to, you know, you want to go up to mountains, do some snowboarding. Yeah, this is going to be fine. Um, you're, you know, like you said, you're not doing the Rubicon Trail or anything like that. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a nicer car inside and out. Um, and, and talk about the old Nissan Path. I remember when the old one came out, I was in high school, and we, that was one of those cars that you were just like, oh, you lusted over. Um, <laughs> yeah. At least in my town. Did in you? My, it, was, it, was a pretty, it was a pretty cool It was cool because it had that, that first generation. And it had that, uh, they had the hidden, the hidden rear um, uh, door handle, which was always mm. crazy because of the, the chicken tax, I think. Uh, you can't, what? You, can't, you couldn't sell. You got, there was this crazy tariff. On two-door SUVs in the United okay. States for for imports. So, uh, really? in, have you ever seen I like a two-door that. SUV from anybody that's not an American automaker in the United States? No. no. 
Yeah. Uh, not, not for a long time, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I think they finally yeah. phased out the chicken tax. I, uh, what, wait, I, what, I'm, what I'm questioning is why is it called the chicken tax? It, it, go, it goes back to the 1960s. Um, there was a little bit of a, a, a trade tiff between the U.S. and uh, Europe. Uh, and it was, they were, the Europeans imposed a tariff on U.S. chicken. And so in retaliation, um, the U.S. imposed tariffs, a 25% tariff on imported uh, light trucks. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I was unaware of this little chicken tiff that we and, had and, with Europe. You know, it, okay. it ultimately, I don't think it had a huge impact on Europe because they, they weren't building a whole lot of light trucks. I mean, it was mostly vans and things like that. Um, but uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, the Japanese were much more impacted by it, which is why you know one of the first vehicles that Nissan started building in the U.S. when they started building vehicles here was the the pickup trucks, the the compact pickups, which the hard body, the hard body, and then the Frontier, uh, and you know that's why you know Toyota builds the Tacomas because the chicken tax actually is still in effect, and one of the weird, uh, particularly weird anomalies uh, caused by the chicken tax was when Ford started bringing in the, um, the Transit Connect uh, back 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, they, the, 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 the tax, the tariff uh, only applies to um, you know, what they classified as commercial vehicles. Uh, so, you know, pickups, SUVs, but not to straight-up passenger vehicles. So what uh, Ford did when, at the time the, um, the Transit Connect was being built at their plant in Turkey, uh, it was later moved to Spain. Uh, but when they, when they import the Transit Connects to the U.S., they brought them all in as passenger vans. Uh, so, you know, they had full windows all around, seats, you know, second and third row seats. And only once they arrived in the U.S. and had cleared customs, then they would convert them back to um, to cargo vans uh, so for the ones they were going to sell as cargo vans. So they took out the, the doors that had windows in them. Uh, they took out the rear windows, put installed steel panels in there, uh, took out the seats, got, you know, gutted most of the, the back of the interior um, to sell those as cargo vans. And they, they took those extra components and basically just threw them away. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Crazy. Okay. There yeah. you go. Things you go. Are it's new. The more you know. The more yeah. you know. A little rainbow ding, and a star ding, over ding, my head. Ding. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Huh. Okay. Your turn, Nicole. Okay. So, uh, guys, I was I tried to build pricing. I can't figure out exactly how much the price on this one is. So we're going to get the listed price on the website because I can't build this whole thing together. So what I had was uh, <laughs> the 2022 Honda Civic Sport, uh, the hatchback. It has a two-liter four-cylinder, 158 horsepower, 138 pound-feet of torque, and a CVT. Uh, you can get it with a turbocharged 1.5 liter that takes you up to 180 horsepower and 177 pound feet if you so choose the sporty or sportiness of that particular engine. Um, even without that one, it's still a fun little thing to drive. It's not like you're driving a great big SUV. It's a pretty compact vehicle. Um, it's it's comfy. I like driving this. This is, a, this is a fun car to drive. And I love the interior. They have a pattern on the dashboard where the vents are that's this honeycomb pattern that goes all the way across. 
it's just kind of neat. I like that it's this nice sort of nifty interior detail. It makes it look a little bit different instead of all the, you know, the hexagonal everything, you know, just the boring kind of, you know, you've just got little swoopy lines. It's like, no, we're going to put this honeycomb pattern across our whole dashboard. It's really cool. Uh, I like that. Very comfortable. Uh, easy to drive. I've taken it back and forth into Boston a couple of times. We'll be taking it down an hour into Boston after this podcast uh, once again. So, it is comfortable. Rear seat's pretty good. I mean, you can technically squish three people back there, but I think you're probably only going to want to put two people back there. Uh, my teenage daughter sits behind my husband, who is six feet tall, and she was fine. But I can imagine if you had three adults across, your shoulder room's going to get a little on the snug side. Uh, so yeah, five, question mark. Really, really, we're looking at more like four. Um, it has that hatchback, which is great if cargo is your thing. You know, there's a, it's available as a sedan, but really, if you haven't, if you're like, eh, it doesn't make that much of a difference. If you're going to be hauling random cargo, like if you're younger and you think you're going to be hauling your stuff from one apartment to the next or something, or you know, it is so much easier to deal with a hatchback because you can just shove anything in there. You know, it's, it is. <laughs> That's the, why is we have one. Yeah, it is the ultimate, like, you like, I don't want an SUV, I don't need that much, but I want a little bit of flexibility, then find yourself a hatchback like this, because it makes it so much easier. Um, I I love that. I think that's just, when I, it's funny, when I, I'm in so many SUVs, and that when I get just a sedan, and I go to put something in the trunk, it's like, oh, it's just a trunk, I can't just jam this all the way through, <laughs> it, it stops, and there's like a roof, sort of, so uh, hatchbacks are, I love them for people who are sort of, moving from one spot to another, from dorms to apartments, from apartments to condos, from condos. If you're moving around a lot, these are, they're a fantastic choice. And the thing with the Civic is it starts at 23,350. Uh, the sport that I was driving is 24,550, which is still a pretty reasonable price given to that you are getting a Honda and the reliability ratings on these things are fantastic and the resale values are fantastic. They're really the kind of car that you decide you decide you're done with a Honda because you're just tired of it. It's fine. It works. Everything is perfectly acceptable. You've just had enough. And you want to move on to you're like, oh, you've done your job for me. Have at it with some other person. But it's they just the reliability <laughs> is insane. You know, you, you rarely have to get rid of it because you're like, uh, just gave up the ghost. No, you gave up on the Honda. The Honda's fine. Our, yeah. Our daughter had drove her uh, 2008 Fit Sport for uh, 13 years. Mm-hmm. And you're See? just like, oh, okay, we're tired of it. Was that right? Yeah. It, it's fine. It's just, it, it's totally, everything's great. You're just like, I want something else. I've had <sighs> I, it long let me enough. Let's do something else. Yeah, it, I'm ready to move on. I've changed. You've changed. Let's move on. So, um, yeah, so I, I am a big fan of the Honda Civic. I, I think this is a great option. Uh, I would, it was fully redesigned this year. In fact, it was uh, just named the 2022 North American Car of the Year. Uh, so, uh, that's kind of a big deal. So it was, you know, all new and very, very well received. Dun, dun, dun. Just, just to clarify the, the 1.5 liter turbo, um, is if you want that in a sport, you have to get the sport touring, which is, yes, you do. I'm sorry. You do have not. to, yeah, you have to move up yeah. a trim level to the sport touring. It's not technically on the sport. Sorry if that wasn't clear. Yes. Yeah. They, they, Cause they've got on the hatchback, they've got four trim levels, the LX sport EXL and the sport touring. And the sport touring starts at twenty nine eight fifty, uh, right. not including delivery. So, uh, which is by the way one thousand and fifteen dollars. Yeah, and that, so that's that's what I drove a couple of weeks ago was the sport touring, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and the you know the sports got the older uh, naturally aspirated two liter turbo, which is a two liter uh, four cylinder, not a turbo. I like it's, your naturally aspirated turbo. Really, that was a trick there. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> it's naturally the turbo is naturally aspirated. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, if you do want to go with the the you know more power from your engine, you do have to jump up. What is it about five thousand dollars in price? So if you want to do that, it's five grand. But you're getting more obviously than just the engine because yeah. you're getting something that's it's literally two trims higher in the lineup. But that is out there. But I don't. The thing is, I don't feel like this. The engine, the powertrain in the sport is just fine. It, it doesn't feel lacking. You don't feel like it doesn't accelerate enough. You don't feel like you're you know, under pressure to merge into heavy highway traffic. So yeah, you're going to get more if you move up the lineup. And yes, the interior is going to get nicer. You get fancier features, but you really don't feel driving the sport like you're suffering driving a base model by any means. And if you get the hatchback sport, you can get a manual transmission. Yeah. And so that you just ring the power right out as much as you want. That's where that's exactly that's the money move. Yeah. Where you save money. (laughs) <laughs> yes, you save the money. Well, I don't think you actually. I think they 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 don't. You don't save any money because I think they charge the same price now for both. Oh no! It, versus the the turbo. Is oh what I'm yeah, saying. yeah. Like have true. fun. Yeah, have your fun by putting the manual transmission in the sport versus paying five grand to have your turbo in the sport touring. And yeah. Honda does great manual transmissions. Yeah, they do. They, they are very slick shifting. They're 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 fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I, I really like you know aside from the styling being a little more sedate, you know, as we talked about last time, being more sedate than the, the, the previous generation, you know, everything else about it is, is fantastic. You, you know, there's, there's plenty of room for adults in the back seat, you know, in terms of headroom and legroom. As you said, you know, it's obviously not as wide as, mm-hmm. you know, some bigger, bigger cars. Um, but, uh, you know, two adults <laughs> can easily sit very comfortably in the back seat. And one of the things I like about the, the uh, Civic hatchback that they, or initially did on the previous generation model, and they've carried over to this one. You know, on most hatchbacks, you have you know that cargo cover that you know if you're carrying larger objects, you know it hook, usually hooks onto the, the 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 underside of the hatch and you know behind the the back seats. And if you want to put larger stuff in there, you've got to unhook that. You got to figure out somewhere to stash that. Um, <laughs> Tall, crooked. On, you hope you don't yeah. mess it up because you like shove something on top you of it by accident. Cable. You get the little cord that latches it hooked on something and yeah. it and you try yeah. to pick it back up later so, on. on. On the Civic, um, they it's actually got just a retracting cover that slides over to the left side, so you you can pull it out. Uh, you know, kind of like a uh, you know blinds you know just pull it across hook it on on the right hand side when you're not using it you can just unhook it and it slides back in it's out of the way uh very very easy to use no hassle it's it's just it's a really cool little feature that that i've really liked on our civic yeah it's little things like that that make a car much more usable and much easier in daily life it really is the little things that matter it is yeah yeah i yeah yeah i have three three hondas i had the civic a 90 Honda Civic that I drove for 15 years, and I sold it to a friend because he was in. Uh, it was uh, his life was not going well, and I thought I'd be a nice person to sell him an inexpensive Aww. my car. Um, I had a Del Sol, which someone pulled out in front of, and I ran into him. And then we had a. Uh, my wife had a CRV. Uh, we lived that we had moved back to San Francisco, and we had a CRV and a WRX, and we had to sell one of them because we didn't need two cars because we mostly just took the bus everywhere, and so we sold the CRV which somebody owned until they ex- they got into an accident with it. So they'll just keep going until you s- slam them into something. 
We had we, we've had a civic. We've had two civic hybrids. We had a, a CRV back in the day, and we had um, an Element. Oh. And of course, the Integra, which is technically a, a Honda. Which is technically a Honda, yeah. yeah. But the, the Element is the one that I'm like, oh, I miss that one. The Element, I am, I am, my brother owns an Element. Um, he, he brought does. it new. He keeps uh, in immaculate shape, and I tell them he is not allowed to sell it before mm-hmm. I get I get right to first refusal. First right refusal comes. Yeah, from you. I'm his older brother, <laughs> so this is what you. Yeah, these are the rules. <laughs> this is how life works. <laughs> uh, he had a he had a I think he had a radiator cap issue the other day, and I'm like, well, if you just don't want the car, you know, I'll come yeah, pick I'll it. I'll take up. it off your hands. I'll take it for you. He's don't like, worry nah, about I'm, it. I'm good. It's fine. How, uh, how old is that then? How long has he had that? I don't know. It's been I don't, a while since they stopped. Like, it has been a while. Eight or so that they stopped building those. So he probably got it like 2006 or seven, maybe 2005. Um, the neighbors across the street have one, so I'm always on the lookout to see if they're going to put a, a for sale sign on it. Um, they use it all the time. Oh. They have like a Mercedes so and. 2011 yeah. was the final year of production. So. Yeah, it's at the very least 11 years old. Probably, like you said, older than that. He got a couple years earlier. Yeah, there was one for sale when I first moved out here to the suburbs for $4,500. But it was in, <gasps> it was in rough shape. And now that car, that person could probably sell for $7,000. The, the, oh, the used cars, the used car prices, I could sell my BRZ right now for what I paid for it. I just looked up my mom's <laughs> old Kia no, Rio. more, more than and, what I paid for yeah, it, actually. She, she, has a, she has a 16 Rio, Kia Rio, base, ba- like, it has crank windows, for crying out loud. And on the Lark, <laughs> we looked it up. Crank, you're going to crank the window, <clears throat> right? So you have to crank the windows. It has not a, if there was a feature you could exclude, she excluded it. And the thing, I got a Carvana, I clicked just for, chi- like, kicks. One on Carvana, thing has, I think, about 40,000 miles on it. Sixteen thousand dollars. What? Yeah. Thousand dollars for a Kia Rio from 2016 that has crank windows. <laughs> I, I just saw something yesterday that um, average transaction prices on used cars is now up to thirty thousand dollars. It's. <sighs> oh my god. Yeah, I could probably sell my BRZ for twenty one thousand dollars. Two thousand seventeen. It's only <clears throat> two thousand fourteen. It's only got forty ish, forty one thousand miles on it. So it doesn't have a lot of miles. It's yeah. you know, it's the fun car. You go out and drive if it for you, fun. If you have like a halfway decent car and you don't need it, you're like, I wonder if I should sell it. Sell it. But I could sell it and then turn now around and try to buy a new BRZ, which just starts at like thirty thousand. Or just if you don't yeah. need Except a car, for, like if you have if you have that extra car, like you're like, do we really need two cars? If you don't really need to, I got like the now's ju- the time to make number the second one go away and just stick the money in the bank or something, and then yeah. eventually in a year or two years or whatever, if you need a second car. You can buy one when prices get more. I got the Jag still. Gets more normal. Yeah. (laughs) I still got the Jag. I was driving that around yesterday. It has the best stereo system of the cars we own. (laughs) (laughs) So you're keeping your car based on the stereo system. I'm sorry, this car is falling apart, but the stereo, honey. It's all wheel drive, (laughs) and the dogs fit in the back. It's a sedan. They like they like the back. It's nice and comfortable, and it's got a stereo. It's got a CD player. Yeah, the, a CD uh, player. Woo yeah. this, this was a story in Motor Trend uh, that I saw the other day um, from CarGuru's data. Um, at the end of twenty, at December twenty twenty, average price of used cars was twenty two thousand eight hundred thirty seven dollars. By December twenty twenty one, it was thirty thousand six hundred and twenty dollars. It's it's 
I, I see. I looked it up, and now, like the next like few weeks, I'm just going to be thinking about whether or not I should sell my BRZ, and then wait until wait a year and then buy a new BRZ. Because I always want to buy like second year model, and hopefully the prices will go back. There won't be that fifteen thousand dollar markup like I found the other day Oof. at the Subaru dealership here in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, fifteen grand on a BRZ. Fifteen wow. grand on a BRZ. That's, <sighs> that's nuts. Yeah, yeah, I put it on Twitter. They don't care. They just, yeah. Like people who have who've dealt with who have dealt with that dealership, like, oh yeah, they do that all the time. <laughs> Like, well, and they're only going to do it like we talked about this <clears> thing <throat> last week. They're only going to do it if if somebody pays for it. Like they yeah. they didn't think they could sell it, they wouldn't do it. They're like somebody's going to do it. Well, it's funny yeah, is they they had three in stock. Supply. They had three in stock, and all the other dealerships around had nothing. So there you <laughs> so, go. That's, you that's why they. Yeah. That's why there's the only ones left. <laughs> yeah, everyone else bought them, and now they're like, well, just you know, no one else has them. Kick up the price. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty <sighs> much it. All right. Well, since we were talking about the Civic and uh, North American yes. Car of the Year, um, why don't we start with you, Nicole, our resident uh, member of the NACTOY jury, uh, and, and talk about the, <laughs> the vehicles that won the North American Car, Truck, and Utility Vehicle of the Year awards. Yeah, so we announced them last uh, Tuesday in Detroit, and the 2022 Honda Civic was the Car of the Year. The... Um, Ford Maverick won for Truck of the Year, and the Ford Bronco won for Utility Vehicle of the Year. So Ford walked away with two wins, which is pretty cool for them. They were pretty excited. Um, and I have to say thank you to Sam because I had to pronounce the <laughs> name of the executive that won this, and we don't know until we read the card. I'm like, oh, God, how do I say his name? <laughs> Golhatra. I only need to say it because <laughs> Sam figured it out. He's like, Golhatra, say it many times. So I did. <laughs> Kumar, um, Kumar Golhatra, he's the president of the Americas for uh, Yes, for and you can't practice. Like, and I'm like, all the names for anybody, because there's three different potential, because you've got three finalists, and until you open up that little card, you don't know who won. Um, so those were our three winners. So Ford walks away with two very happily, and uh, Honda walks away with one. And I, I, you know, the the numbers were out there for how much where the jurors voted, like how many, not individually, but the totals for each vehicle. And the vehicles that won won handily. It wasn't like it was even close. They really won. A lot of people were questioning, and you know, I I don't know the answer to this. It's not like I have some secret insider information as to why the EVs that were eligible didn't win. Um, but you know, there's it's not like people were thinking, oh, you snubbed EVs. I'm like, well, nope. We we technically quote snub two vehicles in every category every year because only one can win. It has to be one. So you're, you you know, you can't you can't win them all no matter how good all the vehicles that are up are are for each category. And I just think I'm pretty pleased with the results. I don't look at it and think like, oh, these are terrible. I'm sure somebody does. I'm sure some people are thinking they were horrible, awful, bad choices. But isn't that how words works? It's like uh, you're, you're, what are they, you're, you're, you're quarterbacking from the living room on a Sunday that you could have done it better than everybody else. But I, I think that they were good choices. I was pleased with them. Also, in case you're wondering, that trophy has to weigh at least 500 pounds so if you ever win this award or you have to pick it up man it is do some training in advance it really is i'm like you know how like like clue it is a melted down the short block (laughs) i know right it's a melted down short block engine we just make it in the shape of a car it's like you feel like it's like from clue like you know colonel mustard in the library with a candlestick it's like nicole wakeland on the stage with an actoid trophy like you could kill a man with this thing it's huge (laughs) it's a beautiful trophy though it's designed by wellburn a few years ago 
Yeah, um, it's an absolutely beautiful trophy. It really, really is. Uh, it really is lovely. So yeah, so three, I think three worthy vehicles won. Uh, they were all vehicles that I personally was impressed with and was not surprised to see the winners. You know, you never, like I said, you never really know until they win. But uh, I was not surprised with the winners. What did you guys think? Did it? Did I, just a question because I'm in the World Car of the Year, so I'm wondering: Do you guys have to drive the car in order to vote for it? Because we're not allowed yes. to. Okay, I'm just curious. Because yeah. so the EVs, to, I think, are it was tougher well, to get into a Rivian, and it's tougher to get into the Ionic Five than well, it is you know a Bronco. And, I, and Rivian, is, for people who were asking that question, Rivian actually brought a car to oh uh, to the thing. A, Right to the th- so we drive in. We have a day in Detroit where we drive in Michigan where we drive all the vehicles. It's like a two day drive, and Rivian had two vehicles there. Lucid was trying to get a vehicle and didn't, but they really made an effort to get all of us some seat time in that car. Um, they had a program that they ran last minute, literally for jurors. Like if you want some time, they reached out to people who live in Detroit. I live, uh, you know, an hour north of Boston, and they said, Nicole, if you're free this day, we'll fly to New York. So you can spend the day driving. Can we do this? So I got some time in it. Cool. So they really made an effort to make sure that, you as know. As many. As many. And I guess that could have affected because sh- I don't know that uh, every juror. Uh, like Canadian jurors didn't get in a lot of things this year just because of the nature of COVID and who can cross the border. But I, I give Lucid a lot of credit for making the effort to at least give us the opportunity to get some time. Because, yeah, we're not going to vote for a car that all I've done has been like, well, it looks good on paper. Like that's, no. Yeah. I, I, I heard from a, a couple of other jurors that um, – Especially um, from for the Canadian jurors, most of them had not driven either the Rivian or the Lucid, uh, and so that that definitely hurt them. I think. I can, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it did. And there was just that was just one of those, you know, unfortunately, na- the nature of the world that we're in at the moment. There was no way to overcome that. I, I even heard about you know there were efforts to try to get things across the border for various OEMs and to make things happen and. It was, you know, unfortunately a challenge that I guess they couldn't overcome. I don't, that could that have affected why those vehicles didn't win? Sure, but who knows? I don't know. You know, I don't know if if. Well, they're they're still mentioned in the thing, and also just because it's North America Truck of the Year, Car of the Year, doesn't mean you have to buy it. It's not like that's the only. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. So like now everybody else forget it. These are the only three vehicles which you can buy. We're just saying. Just being nominated is a huge. Yeah, and And it sounds so silly, but it is. When you look at the number of vehicles that are that are eligible to get into the top three, that's something. I mean, it's It's, fifty jurors. It's a lot of vehicles to choose from. So getting into the top three, you're. Still, it's saying that, you know, and considering that, think about it for a second, Lucid is a brand new company. They have one vehicle out there. It's not even very much of it out there as of this writing. And yet still, they were one of the top three vehicles. So it's not like Nacto is like, bah, these EVs. EVs. This is a flash in the pan. We're not considering this. Like, no, they were The same with Rivian. Yeah, I mean, Rivian is a brand new company. Exactly. And the fact that they're like both of those are brand new companies that they have, they have, they have they they're above these established automakers who have you know trucks out exactly. there and and sedans out there and then you have these two brand new companies really they're but just like, start, yes. they just started building cars like it's, it's just like, like it's not like it's like if there were classes in a race it's like no we're not going to put you against the new kids Rivian we're going to put you against Ford. Have fun yeah. with that. Like you know, it's that's, it's not like small it's, competition. You have some to get up there. Yeah. You're 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 with a company that it's been around and builds the kind of quality products that a company that has been around for that long builds. That is yeah. saying something for both yeah. Rivian and for Lucid and for Lucid. Yeah, and yeah. you know, to to be fair, you know, this was the first time that there have been EVs as finalists in all three categories. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there was the there was the potential that you could have three EVs winning this year. Uh, yeah, it didn't happen, but it, you know, it was it was possible. Um, right. I, I'm curious. You know, for you, you know, you said you you agreed with the choices in each one. Are these the ones that you gave most of your votes to? Because I think if, if I understand correctly, you know, for the finals, you get to cast ten votes. Um, and split them among the three however you want. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, you, you, you get to, you have, you're given uh, ten, 10 points. Now you're putting me in the or spot and suddenly that doesn't seem right, but 10 points. You're allowed, <laughs> suddenly I'm like, wait, how many points? Are, you're allowed to disperse those points. I have more than one jury that I'm voting for and I'm like, wait, NAC choice 10, right? Um, you ha- you are allowed to disperse those however you want in the final vote. If you want to give, if you, if you want to completely exclude one of those vehicles, for example, because you didn't drive it, you can do that. If you want to just, even if you drove all three in a given category and you want to give all the points, you know, this is your favorite, you can, you can choose to distribute those points however you want. Um, and I think everybody kind of does that. I, it's, it's hard to, it is hard to look at those, that category and say like, cause I drove everything. So I had my choice of all three in every one of those categories and well, to say one was so good that the other deserved nothing. I couldn't do like I gave yeah. some points to each vehicle. I allocated more to some than to others, but I there was not a single vehicle on there that didn't get some points. I just looked in each category and said, "Who do I think deserves the of these? You know, who de- who deserves the most of yeah. who's the who impressed me for whatever reasons for the quality, the innovation, the design. You know, who had the right the, was new for the market and had a, had something different or unique or elevated." the segment and and still manages to be a value for what it is offering to consumers. There's, there's a lot to consider. So, but yeah, you can spread out those points however you want to among each of the three categories. I wonder if it had been different if the, the Ionic five had been, a car because you know Hyundai is like it's an SUV and you look at it you're like it's a car fine. I know. Well, yeah. it's, it's so hard with all those. You're like you're like what you know is there a definitive answer for what's an SUV and a car anymore? There's it's not. It's just marketing, it's and that's marketing. what they marketed as a car. They could have just said, hey, look at the new uh, Ionic Five hatchback, but then they knew that people are like, oh well, I don't know, I don't want a hatchback, I want an SUV. Exactly. See, because the SUV segment is more popular. So you want to yep. release a brand new EV as a car? You want to release a brand new EV as a as a an SUV, then you're probably going to say SUV because more people are going to consider it in the first yeah. place. Um, yeah, and it's solid. I mean, I I, th- I thought I loved how I like that car. I, I really love I, I love that car. I think the Onyx a really good. Yeah, it's a good vehicle. I I truly liked it. So there was nothing. Honestly, there was in in any category there was no vehicle that I I personally looked at and said. I have no idea how this got here. It doesn't belong here. This is ridiculous. Like every single one had a re- every single one had a reason to be there. Like the, yeah. there was something to recommend it. You're like this did this really well. This did that really well. There was a reason for every single vehicle to be in the place that it was in the first place. There's no ew moments. Yeah, there were no ooh moments. Nothing that I went. What was I on a different page and everybody else? Nope, I got it. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was definitely a very strong field uh, this year. Um, you know, there I have I've driven most of the vehicles. I think the uh, the Lucid and the GTI are the only ones that I haven't driven uh, at least a little bit. And uh, they're you know everything else you know really strong. I I definitely agreed with the the choice of the Maverick over the uh, the Lucid. You know, I mean, the, or rather the the Rivian. You know, the Rivian's really good, but I think the the Maverick, you know, in terms of its accessibility, its accessibility and its impact on the market, I think, is really important by being a very affordable 
very fuel efficient, very you know high utility vehicle. Um, you know, starting at twenty grand for the forty mile per gallon hybrid. Uh, that yeah, was. That's. I agree. That was. I mean, it was. The map, you know, there were other trucks and like, you know, the Santa Cruz is, is very similar aside, you know, take out the EV part of things. If you start comparing just to the Santa Cruz was great. The Rivian was great. They each had reasons to recommend, but like the Maverick really for that price point, for the fuel economy, for the way they designed that, I love that you can buy that really affordable truck. And you, if you want to, you know, customize the bed to do things, you don't have to spend the cost of the truck all over again to buy official components to do that, to buy official inserts and official accessories. You, do, you can, you know, they have things that they're doing 3D printing. So you can 3D print a clip that goes in the back of the like center console and then 3D print what you want on the back of it. You want a couple cup holders on yours? Sure. You want it to be something to hold a tablet? Sure. And they're sharing that stuff with the public so that you can, you know, you can do something like that instead of spending a fortune on all these different parts. Or if or you want to make the bed. pull some scraps of two by four out of the garage. Exactly. In the Plop. bed, take a couple of scraps of two by four, stick them on there, stick some plywood, stick them on there. You just spent $10 to do what you could have spent easily thousands of dollars to do if you had yeah. bought official licensed OEM products that were all shiny and perfect. And if you want to go for it, they'll sell you that stuff. But if you don't want to, they totally don't have to. I think that's really, that's, that's unique. That's different. I think that deserves recognition. Truck, truck stuff is like drum gear, like drum gear. <laughs> drumming gear is like very expensive. Like, Oh, you need to stand for your symbol. Ah, oh, here's a couple, you know, we need a couple hundred dollars for some, for some metal. Uh, it's right. the same thing with truck stuff. Oh, you want some lights? I'm like, I don't know, five, five hundred dollars. Like, why? Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's it's like, just metal and it's just metal and some LEDs, right? <laughs> What it makes sense? Well, there's some wires too, sir. There's some wires. Make sure it fits. It's like, well, I can make sure it fits, and it doesn't cost that much, you know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, from talking about the best of 2022, let's transition <laughs> to some not so great stuff. Uh, yesterday, I was scrolling through my feeds, and I stumbled across uh, yet another great article by Jason Torchinsky on Jalopnik um, about uh, the past was garbage. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you know, so I'm, I'm old enough to, to remember uh, this stuff. I remember when the Chrysler K car first came out. And, you know, at the time, you know, in, in 1978, you know, it was, it was the car that saved Chrysler from bankruptcy. Uh, you know, because they they were on the verge of going out of business, and you know they got some got some government guaranteed loans, which they paid back a couple of years later, and that gave them enough to to launch this thing, and this product, the K car, you know, a compact front wheel drive car, became the basis of everything that Chrysler built for the next decade, except for their big trucks and vans. Everything that wasn't a big truck and van was based off the K car. And so they had so many different variations, and you know one of one of those, you know, they did slightly longer wheelbase versions. They did uh, one of one of the big things in that era was this idea of you know if you put a more um, squared off notched you know roof line on a sedan uh, with a more vertical rear rear window um, as opposed to a forward sloping window. It made it look more luxurious, more classy. More um, but of course, <laughs> you know, today, you know, if they did that, you know, the manufacturers, you know, they've figured out how to 
um, how to do the tooling, you know, for body stampings and that, you know, more affordably than, than they did in those days. And, you know, so they would just have a different set of stampings. I mean, you know, today you, you look, for example, you know, at uh, a Ford Escape and a, and a Lincoln Corsair. They're the same car underneath, but, you know, they have completely different sheet metal. Not in 1984, you know, um, especially at Chrysler in 1984. And so this, I thought this was really cool. Jason oh, went awful. through and, and figured out how they did some of these formal roof lines on these these cars, you know, to convert a Chrysler E-Class sedan into a Chrysler New Yorker. Um, and what, what do you what do you guys think about this? Oh my God, I can't. When I first saw this picture, I'm like, "What? Somebody did that?" And it's like, "No, it was this way." I'm like, "It looks." Wait, an yeah. automaker did that. <laughs> it looks like something somebody was at home. You're like, you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna make this fiberglass thing and add it to my car. It's like you're That's fabricating it, things at home. Caulking in there around yeah. it to seal it up. It's yeah. So I'm bad. just gonna. You have to. You have to put the picture up so people can see or the link to it somewhere in the show yeah. so that people can see what we're talking about. But it literally looks like one of those, like, well, I'm not paying. Like you're talking about, Robbie. I'm not paying someone to fix this. I can fix this. You're I like, can fix this Wait, myself. Wait, that's how it came. Yeah, that's how it came. It came that way. Oh, okay then. It's like someone wanted to build a lemons car and they're like, you know what? Let's mess this yeah. up. <laughs> it's bad. It was a lemons car from the factory. Yes, a yeah. lemons car from the It was pre-lemoned for you. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this sort of... It's it's fun because it's not well, I don't know if it's fun it's not fun for your for your pocketbook but there was a, a handful of good cars in the 80s and 90s just because manufacturing was it was tough to make to manufacture there was you know U.S. automakers were having difficulty uh, competing with with Japanese automakers but in the 80s and 90s there was a lot of really bad cars that were out in the road just bad they just weren't very good. And now you see them, I see them, uh, you know, people are, are bringing them to Radwood and be like, oh, man, I really love that car. I'm like, no, you didn't. You never drove that car because those cars were horrible. And I, and I, I was talking to you guys earlier about it, the, the, the Ford Escort. Oh, Everyone God. I knew who had a Ford Escort had nothing but problems with those cars. The, the I, late it, 80s, early 90s Ford Escorts were just piles of trash. And so I, my husband had one when he went to college. He shared it with his brother. He had to drive back and forth from New Hampshire to Virginia Tech, which is in Western Virginia. And every single time, I'd be like, "Go with God, please don't die." Because we were dating when I was in college. We were in college. <laughs> Something went wrong every time. I'd be like, "So what went wrong this time?" I remember a story where the brakes just said, "We're done." We, do, we choose no longer to break. And because it was the middle of the night and he was a stupid college kid, he continued to drive home and he would just slow down with the emergency brake at the <laughs> at the little toll booths and like throw money in and then ease up and keep going. That's how he arrived home. And the thing is, that wasn't shocking. I remember thinking, uh, okay, yeah, well, that makes all sense. right, so that was, that was this Thanksgiving's adventure getting back. It was... Always something wrong with that thing. Always. A friend of mine and I would we he had a like an eighty six, eighty seven Ford Escort, and I had my my two thousand roads, my Datsun two thousand roadster, nineteen sixty nine, and we would go down to a uh, a junkyard down in in the desert to go like you know scavenging for parts and things. Cause that that's the thing you did in, instead of getting on the internet when in in the uh, <laughs> in the late eighties, early nineties, is you, you and your friend. You had to go we, find it yourself. Yeah, you to go you find. Go you just find wander around. Changes. You have some tools in your back pocket, looking for parts. Um, we would never take his car. <laughs> <laughs> His car was almost, it was like, you know, it's 18 years newer than my car. We would always take the Roadster because we're just like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, but yeah, you see a lot of like, yeah, whenever I see like, oh, look at that. I'm like, no, that wasn't a good car in the 80s or 90s. I don't think why it's not going to be a good car now because now it's got, you know, yeah. There's so many times I see someone looking at cars, especially from that era, and they waxing poetic about this this amazing find. I'm like, you guys, I'm sorry. No, like, just stop. I, I, I'm supposed to jump on the I'm an auto journalist bandwagon and say, yes, look at this amazing thing. And I'm like, I feel like, you know, Princess Leia on the Millennia Falcon. What a hunk of junk. Like, why <laughs> would you buy this? No, don't do it. <laughs> I think if you buy one of those old cars and you put an EV uh, powertrain in it, as long as you're fine with, like, just horrible suspension it should be okay <laughs> okay i'm okay with that crazy well, they had bad suspension but they also uh you know in those years in those days they still had a, a very uh healthy tendency to rust or unhealthy tendency oh. you know, yeah I, a friend of mine uh you know i was i was looking to buy a used car you know and this was somewhere around i don't know 83 84 85 i was looking to buy a used car and a friend of mine um his dad was selling like a 76 ford granada and so I went to take it for a test drive. And, you know, for those of you that are young, you know, and, you know, think that, you know, changing the high beams should either be automatic or just, you know, something you tap the, the stock on the, the steering column with. Back in those days, to go from low beam to high beam on the, on the cars, there was actually a switch on the floor that you tapped with your foot. And so I went to tap the high beam switch on this thing. And it went right through the floor. <laughs> Did not. Oh it, was, my God. it was so rusted away. It just the switch just plopped. Like, okay, I think I'll take a pass on this car. I miss oh the. Gosh. I do miss the foot. The foot powered high beam switch. The I little, know, it was, was just it, a little it was silver metal thing you just stepped on. Yeah. Was it because they rusted this? Was that why they stopped doing that? I don't know the official why. Because it was such an easy thing to just move your foot over. I feel like the, the failure no. rate was probably higher I mean, than just using your the hand. It was the rusted, not the switch. Well, but the, the switch. Because the you get mud. Like they used to. Yeah, but you got no. your, your feet are muddy and wet and gross. I'm sure the failure rate, yeah. they realized the failure rate of that was much higher than just putting a little thing high. on the stock, which is not full of... It was so much of, easier when you could... It was. Because now, like, I mean... I'm in cars where I'm like, unfam- I suppose your own car you get familiar with, but I'm in all these different cars. Like, whoops, sorry, high beams was just trying to wash my windshield. Sorry yeah, about yeah. that. I do that all the time in Mercedes. I'm like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Because the right stock is actually the gear shifter. Yeah, I do it backwards every like, oh, time. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Apologies. All right. Um, next up, um, Bollinger, who, you know, we were talking about Rivian earlier. Um, Bollinger is a company that popped up, what, I don't know, four or five years ago. With you know this very boxy looking, uh, you know, electric pickup truck and SUV that a lot of people got really excited about, um, and thought, yeah, this was cool. And because one of the cool things was, you could open up the hood, and then there were panels you know, at the center console that basically gave you a complete pass through all the way down the center, the center console of the truck. So you could put an item that went from the front bumper all the way to the rear bumper. Uh, you know, and that, that, you know, things like that got a lot of people interested in this thing. Um, unfortunately, uh, among those, uh, people that were interested in this thing, apparently none of them were investors uh, <laughs> <laughs> because since, uh, the, well, a the lot B1 of people are interested B2, no one with money, but lots no of people with money, but that's yeah. a small issue. Uh, so, to overcome. So, since they were first shown, um, you know, they were apparently as near as I can tell, those first two that were shown back in 2017 or so are still the only two that exist. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been to a lot of car shows over the last several years. It's the and, same one. You know, there's, there's one pickup, one SUV that they just keep trotting out. 
Um, at least unlike the the early '80s when Jerry Weigert and Vector, you know, only had one example of the Vector uh, sports car that he just kept repainting and bringing it to different <laughs> magazines. Saying, oh yeah, I got a new prototype. You know, this time they didn't even bother repainting. They didn't even it. try. It They're like same car, yeah. different day. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, they've made it official. Um, they are pivoting. They're, they've canceled plans indefinitely to build the the pickup and the SUV. Um, and they're returning any deposits they got from customers, mm-hmm. and they're focusing on just doing a skateboard, electric skateboard chassis for commercial trucks. Uh, so what? if you were mm-hmm. if you were waiting on a Bollinger B1 or B2, sorry, time it's, to rethink your I options. Mean, it was because of Bollinger when the Rivian came out. I just like walked by the thing and I made someone else cover it. <laughs> Yeah, you made someone else cover the Rivian. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, whatever. This is just some, just like Bollinger. Because I, they just felt like like this is never going to happen. Bollinger's never going to. It was just you know, they look cool. They look like something the A team would build in the garage during a montage. The pass through was cool, but at the same time, we were just like, is this really? And you're also, you know, when you're making an EV, you want some sort of aerodynamics, and this is not. This is the opposite of that. This was literally, you know, a big block of steel. Yeah, it made the it made the Honda Element look like a Lotus. It was just a yeah. <laughs> um, Sleek. I mean, it's I, I mean I, I commend them for trying. Building one car is super hard. Building a hundred is impossible. Building them at scale, I don't even know how that happens. Yeah. So, um, I, and you know, they 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 put up the fight for a few years, and I don't know how many people are going to buy a. Uh, yeah, and I think this goes back to if you're uh, either a young company or a small company or you're a big company, you can either buy um, your commercial vehicles from an established player, which has service centers all around the United States, or you can buy them from a startup and just hope for the best. And <laughs> Cross your fingers. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, after, especially after Tesla showed the Cybertruck, I think a lot of the interest in the Bollinger kind of probably evaporated. Because you know a lot of the same things about the Bollinger that appealed to people, I think, were there the Cybertruck, yeah. um, and you know people thought, well, there's a lot better chance of Tesla building the Cybertruck than Bollinger. May or may not ever happen. I than, know. I don't know if that's Bollinger. still a good bet or not, but <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, that was certainly what people were thinking. I think when they when they first showed right. it off. I think the Cybertruck's still going to be out here, even if it's just for spite. Even if yeah. I think Elon For spite. Yeah. they're making no, I, money, you know, they have they're that. profitable, but you know, you have to like look at what's going on. It's like Ford. Ford did, you know, the the problem is that that Tesla is the last place where transparency happens. Ford is like, hey, we're not going to build these other things because we're building so many, you know, of this other thing, Lightnings, Mavericks, whatever, um, or Mustang Machis. Uh, Tesla is probably in the same boat where they're like, you know what? We're making money off all these Model 3s. We still have to finish that factory in Texas. Let's really just keep making the thing that makes us money and sort of focus a little bit later on our space age 70s retro futuristic truck. Yeah. All right. Um, one last one um, going back to Honda, uh, the Civic Type R. Uh, which is the last variant of the new Civic that we uh, still hasn't been officially revealed, uh, is shown the other day at the Tokyo Auto Salon, uh, at least still with um, with camo a camo wrap on it. Uh, so we haven't seen all the details of it, but um, there's a, a new new Type R coming uh, later this year, 
and uh, still has a big wing on the back and wider fenders. What what do you guys think of it? It looks very fancy pants and it's little. Uh, actually, I'm loving the camo. The camo is actually little cars. Did you look at it? Yeah. It's a series. It's, it's the cutest it's, camo pattern ever. It's R. It's it's the letter R and then little white. Little the red cars. red R's and then little white outlines little of white cars. cars. It's adorable. Well, yeah. It's it's, it's actually <clears throat> the, the white outlines are type R's. Yeah. So you see the Type R profile, you know, nice. superimposed on the red R's on a black on all the background. Red R's. Yeah. yeah. It looks great. I think it looks great. I love the crazy, this the crazy fit on the back. I think they went. They you know. I I think there was. I mean, I like the last generation Type R because they were just ridiculous. Um, it was all sharp and stabby. Um, but I think that at the same time, people were. I remember uh, when I got it in, I was driving my wife around, and she's like, "I really like this car." Except for that stupid, and then she said, like, a bad word, wing on the back. It was just, like, too much. She's like, it's too much. There's too much going on. And I think there's a lot of people who are just like, it's, there's too much going on. You, you get the, the 18 to 24-year-old who was like, yeah. But then once you exactly lose, it. once you leave that demographic, everyone else is like, eh. Too much wing. I, I actually once did see a Type R here in Michigan that had the wing removed. Um, really? Yeah, so it just had a standard uh, Civic hatch uh, hatchback on it. Um, so it. Had no wing, and they they did they actually did offer it. They have offered it in Europe. Um, they offered a version of it in Europe without the wing, uh, but for some reason they never offered it here as a. I as wonder a which option. sold more: the winged version or the not winged version. I would guess probably the winged version, just you so think? you can show off. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a flex. Look at my fancy car. But it is a flex. I, I, you know, I would have loved to have, you know, had the option to get a D-winged Type R. D-winged. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, on the, on the plus side, you know, at least, you know, having that wing up there as high as it was up in the air meant that when you were inside the car, when you, when you looked back through the, the rearview mirror, the, the contour of the wing actually man, matched the top, con- the contour of the top of the, the rear glass. So when you look in the rearview mirror, you don't actually see the wing. It just looks straight back underneath the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't obstruct your, your view at all, which is, you know, that part was good. Um, you know, it was just, you just got to kind of keep your eyes closed until you get up and get in the car. Once you're in the car, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just don't look until you sit down. Yeah. yeah. I think they'll probably do better with this one. I think it's a little yeah. less wacky. It's a little rounder. It's not, what did you say earlier? It's not as stabby. It's not a yeah. stabby. It's not going to take you in a back alley and steal your money. Uh, yeah. It's not a shivy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um, we have a couple of listener questions today. Um, the first one <clears throat> is from Big Daddy Henshaw, uh, who asks, <laughs> uh, Hey, guys. Uh, hope you're doing well this week. Uh, I live up here in Canada where it is minus 31 degrees this week. Uh, with the wind, it feels like minus 40. And so he's, he's talking in Celsius uh, rather than freedom units. Um, and, uh, no idea what that is in, in imperial measurement. Uh, no batteries. Uh, have batteries in, in EVs improved enough that range loss is a non-issue now? Is he um, mean in the cold? In the, yeah. yeah, I think so. No. Um, yeah, I mean the the reality is it doesn't it, do, it actually doesn't matter if you're driving a battery electric vehicle or uh, an internal combustion vehicle, you are going to lose efficiency in cold weather. You know, you've got there's more rolling resistance on snow and ice. You know the the, the tires get harder. Um, it uh, you're overall less efficient. The the fuel you know for gas vehicles 
the fuel mixtures that they use, the fuel blends that they use are actually different at different times of the year. Um, because if you use summer fuel in the wintertime, it's designed to evaporate less. And when it's really cold, you're going to have a harder time starting the car. Uh, so, you know, the, the winter fuel blends are less efficient than summer fuel blends. So, you know, and plus you've got things like having to run your heat. Uh, you know, at least with an, with an internal combustion engine, you've got waste heat coming off the engine that you can use. Um, with battery electric vehicles, you've got to use some, some juice from the battery to heat the car. Um, it's better than it used to be. Uh, and you know, a lot of new EVs are now coming with heat pumps, which are much more efficient than the resistance heaters that have typically been used in the past. Um, so you are going to lose range, um, but uh, it's it's not as bad as it used to be. And we also we had a, a response to this one on Twitter from Bryn Barenhausen, another listener uh, who does own a, a Tesla Model Three. Says knowing how your car does in snow is part of uh, responsible car ownership, in my opinion. And he's right there. Uh, so I took Jules, which is the name for his uh, his Model 3, out today to find out. The traction control is phenomenal. Regen braking is a huge plus. Uh, she may be rear-wheel drive with stock uh, Michelin MXM4 tires, but she felt planted and in control. And, you know, those are things that... All, all that stuff is actually irrespective of what kind of powertrain you have. You know, if you get good tires, you know, you're going to have decent traction. Um but you know, rain, rain, you are going to take a hit on range in cold weather. That's just the reality. Just as your fuel economy with a gas car goes way down in cold weather. What's what's your experience been like, uh, Nicole? I can even even on uh, Russ's. He has that plug-in hybrid uh, Jeep in the driveway right now, and he can see how it it it's it doesn't get the same range that it would get. It's not like suddenly he you know has dropped to nothing. But yeah, it does affect how it performs in in. Um, cold weather i think the interesting thing is you know is it a non does it lose lose so little range that it's a non-issue kind of i mean you don't really think about in your ice you know your vehicle is just powered by gas like oh normally i go 450 miles and today i'm only going to go 448 miles because it's cold weather i don't think for the most part in most you know that that the difference everybody knows you're going to get a little less range in an ev or something with a battery you know the batteries during cold weather. I think everybody sort of plans for that. And I don't think it's a significant enough drop for most people day to day that it's something to panic over or something that makes people think, oh, I can't do this because I lose too much range in the cold. You lose a little, but I don't think it's enough to to warrant panic or really changing your purchase decision, I guess. Yeah, there was a there's a actually a pretty good article from Tim Stevens over at Roadshow uh, from the 7th where he drove the Taycan and he beat the EPA range even in the winter. And there's pictures of him driving wow. in the snow and stuff. And so it's getting better. It's getting much better. And also it's Porsche. So, you know, you're paying a lot of money for Porsche. So, you know, you're expecting <clears throat> some. And, but the but Taycan the, keeps. But the basic physics are the same. Yeah, the basic physics are the same. So, you know, they're, the, the cars are getting, uh, the EVs are getting better. Everything, you know, it's just going to get better. And again, like Nicole said, I mean, your, your daily day, your day to day, you're like, oh, no, I was going to drive. It's negative 60. I'm going to go drive my, uh, my, my, my Nissan Leaf 200. 50 miles a day, but it's only going to get 240 miles of range. Oh no! Exactly. <laughs> You're like, eh, right? Eh. I think, I think the, the the big the big thing is you know most modern EVs now you know have long enough nominal range that for the vast majority of people, even driving in extremely cold weather, the range you're going to lose, it you still you're still going to have plenty of of extra. I mean, most people don't drive to 300 miles a day, so if right. you've got 250 miles of range in normal weather you know 
even if that drops to 160, 170 in 30 below zero, you know, you're still, you know, for, for almost everybody, that's going to be more than enough. You know, most yeah. people are not driving that much. And you know what, with, I'm trying to think of the, the number of pure EVs that I've driven long enough on a long enough trip to, or, or played with this enough, you know, you can say I'm going from here to Albuquerque and it will plot out where you need to stop and when based on how you're driving and the distance, how, you know, the, the, how much of a range you're getting on your battery. So if the weather's exceptionally cold and you are driving ridiculous amounts of miles because you're on a road trip, I would assume those would all adjust and be like, mm, nope, we're going to stop you. In this city, it's a little closer than instead of that city that we would stop you at if it was the middle of August. So you still have the tools readily at your disposal to show you, you know, okay, I got to stop here instead of there if I'm on a huge road trip and it's cold and my range isn't quite what it would normally be. Yeah. All right. Uh, Last one is from Wes uh, and uh, asks, is the era of the muscle car over or have electric vehicles opened up a new era to push push the genre further? Uh, kind of sad watching a Tesla race an ICE vehicle at the track. Uh, a lot of the charm is missing. <laughs> I think the the era of the muscle car will will evolve into something. I think it's mm. there are people who are who have been building these sort of uh, these quarter mile monsters that are like these 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 uh, retro mods, and they're just like tweaking them and and, and doing all these like batteries and like well take take these batteries out. Let's put this controller in. Let's put this you know. It's it's I mean when when it comes down to it, if you're a car nerd, you're still a nerd. <laughs> you're still yeah. like thinking about mixtures and <laughs> you're still thinking about uh like bore and displacement and there's just there's a lot of I mean, I think the, the, the idea that like, well, I work on cars, so I'm not a nerd. No, you you're kind of a nerd. Like those some of the nerdiest yeah. things I ever had to do was just trying to, to match up dual carbs. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like trying to figure out the mixture. Like, piece of garden hose and a screwdriver. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's you know it's listen <laughs> for the sound as you as you adjust the the, the jets. Yeah, and balance them. And also, I think there's there's you know you could still have your muscle car and just you know it's not you you can't. At some point, you got to realize, okay, my car's not going to be the fastest one on the track. You could still have a nice, loud, annoying. Or, or beautiful, or whatever you want to do with it, muscle car, and not worry about it being like destroyed by <laughs> by the Tesla Plaid or the Taycan or you know the you know whatever is is coming out. I mean, at this, I mean, trucks are faster than muscle cars, like big giant Ford Raptors. <laughs> I, remember, right? I remember 13 second quarter miles were a big deal back in the day. If you could do it, you're like, whoa! Now, now every car does that. Every car. On- <laughs> Probably. Well, I mean, when when Stellantis did their EV day last June or July, whenever it was, you know, when Tim Kaniskas got up and talked about Dodge, you know, Dodge for the last you know half decade, Dodge has been a muscle car brand. You know, it's it's FCA and now Stellantis's American Muscle brand, and now it's going to you know they dropped the tagline American E Muscle. They're going electric, but it's still going to be muscle cars. The only thing that's the only thing that's gone is the noise. You know, you lose the noise, um, which you know, I I like the noise of a of a big engine, but you know, it's not the end of the world. I think they'll still. You know, it just changes. It might change the 
what's underneath the hood or not mm-hmm. underneath the hood, whatever. But it might change how the car works, but that doesn't mean that you still can't like even a, a muscle car brand like Dodge. So they're not going to build you the Dodge equivalent of a Nissan Leaf. Don't look to them for that. You know, they're going to build you every car is their equivalent of the Tesla with, you know, the plaid crazy, whatever. They're going to they're going to lean towards that. They could still do it. Just in, it's going to be a challenger with a big battery. Yeah, in it's, a just, big exactly, it's just going like, to be a brick. A go, it's going to be the same brick going really fast in a straight line. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and, but I think it's, it just changes. It's going to change. I think that the era of, you know, a nice loud engine underneath the thing, give it time. Somebody's going to stick that noise on an EV and it's going to be how much can you make the noise your EV mimic the sound of your, you know, a traditional gas powered engine. You know, there's a million ways you can still do this and still have the fun of playing around with a performance car and getting a performance car, even if it's not powered by gas. I don't think that's going to change the the details of it, but the existence of that kind of stuff, not going to change. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, one of my favorite cars that I've seen in, in TV shows in a long time, and this is going back to bad cars, but for some reason, <laughs> is the Grand National. I've always had a soft, I've always loved the Grand National. And in the uh, Watchmen, the Watchmen, you had an EV Grand National. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I want this. Because it, yeah, I, the grant. It, it, it's. I thought it was probably the coolest looking car when I was a little kid. My, my, one of my uncles uh, had one. I think his friend had one, and I was just like, "This is amazing! I love this car." I've never driven one because I was a little kid, um, and then th- there aren't a lot around. There's probably a reason for that. <laughs> there's there's a surprising number of them, or at least the 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 GNXs, you know, that have you know have been garage queens for the last. 30, 30 years plus years you know that have you know 20 some miles on them um actually another thing i just saw yesterday was somebody had um a 2007 challenger first edition when they first brought out the new challenger mm-hmm. um that had 23 miles on it they were asking 50 grand for it 23 miles wow yeah that's nothing it's just this go buy a car and then just shove it somewhere i, I, I don't know i think feel like cars should be driven but that's just me I, Absolutely. I Same totally Z's. All right. And on that note, uh, let's call it a show. And uh, all right. we'll talk to you all next week. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. I like how I raise my hand to wave bye. <laughs> 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 bye. <sighs>